That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. to another edition of Zone Star State, The Swarm. It is a podcast for non-D1 basketball teams in Texas. We're in season one, episode number two. They let us come back, Riley. I, I can't believe they did that. Uh, today, we get nine players from Texas that made the Devo Francis Award top 100 watch list. We're going to tell you who that is and when they're going to pare that down to the top 50. Get you caught up on NAIA teams and look back on what we learned from last week's must-see games, which, by the way, it was a lot that we could learn from last week, and then discuss a little bit about what games we're watching this week. I am Corey Hogue, the non-D1 insider for Dave Campbell's Texas football and Texas basketball. You can find me on your favorite social media channels at Corey Hogue Sports. It's all one word, C-O-R-Y-H-O-G-U-E, sports. Find my work at texasfootball.com backslash basketball. If you want just basketball content, that's how you do it. If you want football, just stop after the dot com. Joining me again, we got Riley Isaiah. He is an expert in Division Three athletics, and he has been traveling the country writing a book, and that's something that we're definitely going to discuss a little more as we go through uh, the podcast he also is the owner operator. He does everything for true to the crew.com. That's the website. If you want to know anything about Mary Harden Baylor athletics, that's where you go. You go to true to the crew.com. You can find true to the crew. CRU in case you're in case you're curious on all the social media channels. He's on there with that. And he's also got his own where you can see all that good. If you want D three, information of anything you go to zayas riley on on twitter that's where you're gonna find it uh z-a-y-a-s-r-i-l-e-y it's all one word follow him there you won't be disappointed and, and in fact compared to mine it's probably a lot more fun to be on his page than it is to ever look at my twitter <laughs> <laughs> speaking of of book writing you're on the road this week riley tell us what you're doing I am, Corey, I am. Well, first of all, it's, it's great to be back, uh, record this podcast. It's always a lot of fun to talk. Uh, Texas college basketball, you know, here in the, the non-D1 ranks. And, yeah, I'm up here in, in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin this week, uh, here in the upper Midwest, talking some some great uh, Division three basketball programs, the men's and the women's side. It's going to see 
some rivalry games uh, here, and it's the MIAC and the WIAC, the two big conferences here for Division Three basketball up in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So definitely doing some great interviews for my book on Division Three basketball, highlighting what makes this level so special and unique and uh, the tradition and history as well. So uh, staying busy right now, Corey, but always keep an eye on what's going on back in Texas. Well, it's a good thing you're keeping busy, and you've got a lot to, to stay busy on. And we're definitely going to get into that. But another great thing about small college basketball is the Bevo Francis Award. Uh, that award is named after Clarence Bevo Francis. It's presented annually to the player who has had the finest overall season within small college basketball. They consider it based off season statistics, individual achievements, awards, personal character, and how well the team does also plays a role. A, it is actually a very very prestigious award given to only one player within college, small college basketball per season. And that is everything from NCAA division two on down. And they released their top 100 players in the state of Texas had eight, right? Am I, that's, I said that right. I believe geez, Corey, you're already that far off. Aren't you? We, we nine. Had nine. We had nine, Corey. We, we had, had one nine. Better. Yeah. Thanks Riley. We had nine. Cause Corey can't remember what he just said about three minutes ago. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and of those nine, we're going to go through them here a, a little bit. Uh, we're going to start. I'm going to go with Will Bartosik. Am I right? Right. Right. Simmons. Hey, Riley, you just watched him last weekend. Tell us about Bartos. Yeah, he, he's a, a outstanding player. I think the first thing you notice about him is, is how good he is as a scorer with the ball in his hands. You know, he's a guy that's just put in a ton of work to get to this point. He came as a freshman, didn't play a whole lot. I was talking with Harden Simmons head coach Matt Brackett about this last week. And, you know, he's a guy who's really earned his way. He played behind Stephen Quinn. He was obviously a very talented contributor for Harden Simmons last year, but Stephen Quinn was the go-to scorer. This year, he stepped into that role, number six in the country in points per game, played a huge role in the comeback win over ETBU last month. Um, he, he's he's a guy who really paces this team on the offensive end, and, and that's a big deal because offense in the ASC, as we're finding out, is a very key element to winning in this league. Well, it is, and a couple others on there from Angelo State has two candidates right. on there Keyshawn Embry Simpson and Kevon Godwin both are outstanding candidates it, Embry Simpson is the leading scorer for the Rams and I'll tell you last weekend on their trip they took that hellacious Lone Star Conference trip that takes you through Canyon to WT and down into Lubbock for Lubbock Christian and it didn't come out well for them and part of the reason is because of that defense that those teams can play <laughs> and and uh Embry Simpson saw some things, uh, you know, the whole teams did. We'll, we'll get into that here in a minute. But as far as like what he does, didn't have a good game against WT, but he came back on Saturday against LCU and he put on a show and kept those Rams in that game. And uh, Kevon Godwin is, he's just an outstanding player for them. He, he can shoot. That guy can do it all for him. And so Angelo State having two of them, that tells you how good, uh, that team is because all these teams we're talking about here are really solid teams this year, including this guy, Christian Green of Trinity. Riley, he's taken D3 by storm this year. He is, and he's the only freshman on this list. Um, he's a San Antonio native. He's a guy who's stepped right in 
to this Trinity lineup made a huge impact. First thing you notice with him is, and I've seen him play several times this year, just he's so athletic, especially around the rim. He's given Trinity that athleticism and size that we haven't always seen from Trinity in years past. And it's added a different element, especially when trees match up with some of these stronger, bigger teams. Christian Green's right in there doing, getting rebounds. And, you know, certainly we see what he does as a scorer. Uh, he's very, very effective uh, from short range. We've seen his dunks on the internet. I mean, he's he's thrown down several big dunks. But, again, he's a guy who can rebound and create a lot of challenges for teams. And on the defensive end, too, again, this is an overall award, as you pointed out, Corey, not just a top scoring award or something like that. So this is a, a award given to an overall most talented player in the country, and Christian Green certainly deserves a, a spot on this list. It is amazing that a freshman, a true freshman, is on – the list of the top 100 players in small college basketball. That really is impressive. And credit to Christian Green and credit to the Trinity coaching staff. You find them, you recruit them, they come in, they do well. Another one, C.J. Hall of South uh, SAGU, Southwestern Assemblies of God University. That guy, he was really good last year. I remember his numbers last year were, were terrific. He's putting up good numbers again for Sagu. Then you've also got Josiah Johnson, a guy you know, again, Riley, you've watched a lot of him from Mary Harden Baylor. Yeah, I've been watching him. Saw his first ever game at UMHB. Played at Texas State back in, in 2020, um, you know, when the, when the crew went down there for an exhibition. In that game, he scored quite a bit. He followed it up with a big weekend. And that has just continued, right, into this season, of course. Uh, he's a guy who's been a multi-time All-American. You know, we, we know what he can do as a scorer. I think he's gotten much better as a, as a defensive player over the course of his college career. And it's been cool to see that maturation on the defensive end. Uh, he's certainly stepping up for, for UMHB. And, you know, they've had some tough results as of late, but uh, he's a guy who can knock down a ton of big shots, has a lot of range. And, yeah, certainly uh, he's been on this list a few times in, in years past and great to see him on there again. He joins a list that includes Cameron Kahn of DBU, yeah. Dallas Baptist, who apparently would rather go by DBU. Uh, whatever. There's a lot of school changing names. Riley, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going down. I'm not going following the squirrels today, Riley. <laughs> not happening. DBU, Cameron Kahn. I watched him play earlier this year uh, against Midwestern State, and, and he is a truly impressive player and has turned that team into a winner. They are going to be a team to watch. I believe they just moved into the top four, I want to say, nationally today in the polls, and and well-earned. Uh, that Patriots team is good, and, and Cameron Kahn is a big reason why. The eighth one on the list Calvin Williams, the fourth from St. Thomas. Riley, that's a pretty special player right there. He really is. St. Thomas uh, has certainly risen very quickly in Division Three since they're, since they made the move from NAIA, and, and Calvin Williams has been a big part of that. Uh, you look at what he did, and, and, and you look at what guys do on this list, all of them, they've done very, very well in big games. And, and Calvin Williams, you know, you look at what he did against Trinity. At Trinity, scored 28 points. You know, he shot 10 of 21 from the field, but three of eight from, from three. Those three pointers were especially key. He's a guy who can score from anywhere on the floor. Just so good with the ball in his hands, reigning SCAC player of the year. The list just goes on. But, uh, yeah, great to see him on this list. Certainly uh, deserves it. He's put the team on his back 
several times and helped St. Thomas to its really outstanding record so far this season. And the the ninth and final member from the state of Texas on this list, and I should probably I probably should have mentioned this before. I'll say it now. This is alphabetical. This is not where they rank, right? So there you go. This is alphabetical. So the last guy would be Larry Wise from West Texas A&M. I I tell you, Riley, this guy is the focus of defenses when they go against him. He can take you inside. He can take you outside. He can put that team on his back and carry them to victories. Uh, He's just – he has that ability about him – uh, and he's tremendously – he is just fun to watch. He really is and makes that team fun to watch as well. Now, this the top 100. That's going to get narrowed down to the top 50 on February 15th, and then at some – March 15th, a month later, they will hair, they will pare it down. Woo, <laughs> Riley, I got to be careful today, huh? <laughs> They'll pare it down to 25 players March 15th. To be determined when they give us the finalists and to be determined when they tell us the winner, usually, if I'm not mistaken, that's around the final four uh, time frame. Yep, yep. No, and certainly uh, stay tuned for that announcement. Well, Corey and I will both have those updates on our Twitter and uh, keep you updated with with how these Texas guys end up doing in those those future, uh, future lists and rankings. Yeah, and we get to see – I'll get to see Angelo State this weekend. Uh, watched in person this weekend they come to wichita falls to visit uh, and i'm really excited about that we'll get to see them i believe on thursday uh, is when they come to wichita falls so uh, really excited to see them it's always fun to see vinay patel uh, just a great guy and uh, looking forward to seeing the rams and, and man seeing if these guys are legit i'll let bebo know if they're legit that's <laughs> that's my job riley <laughs> Anyway, I I do want to say, I I sent this over to Riley, and if you check the social media when this comes out, uh, we have a logo. Ishmael Johnson created this logo for us. It's Zone Star State Swarm, Dave Campbell's. It is tremendous. I really, really like this logo, Riley. It's a it's an awesome logo, Corey. It, it it's really really cool. You know, again, in in uh, in in doing this podcast, it certainly gives a, just another element to what we're doing. And uh, you know, people can can find us and and you know see that logo there and know know you know what this podcast is all about. You know, again, it's it, the swarm. We're covering it all um, at at all these levels, non D one. Texas college basketball and perfectly sums it up. And yeah, great, great logo. Great job by him. Yeah. Huge. Thanks. Huge shout out. And thanks to Ishmael Johnson for that. Yeah, we're going to get you caught up here first with a little bit of an NAIA update. What teams are doing through from the state of Texas. Uh, look, you start in the red river athletic conference. The best team from the state of Texas. There is Texas college. The Texas College Steers are 11 and five, seven and three in the Red River. They're right up there, one game behind, really about a half a game behind. Or, yeah, because they they've got a couple of games in hand on the other three ahead of them, which are no surprise LSU, Shreveport, Xavier, Louisiana, and LSU, Alexandria. They're always uh, outstanding teams. On the women's side of the Red River Athletic Conference, the best team from the state of Texas is also in fourth. Texas A&M, Tex Arcana, they're eight and six, five and three in conference. And also, 
unsurprisingly, behind LSU Shreveport, Xavier Louisiana, and LSU Alexandria. If you know anything right now about NAI basketball, you know those three schools are pretty darn good every year. Moving over Sooner Athletic Conference, Langston. Wow, 15-0, and 9-0 in the sack. It is incredible what they've done. And then you've got Southwestern Assemblies. We talked about them. C.J. Hall and, and Sagu, they're 11-4, and 7-2 and two in conference. Uh, John Brown right behind them there, 9-5, and 7-2. Wayland Baptist, it's, you know, I think comparatively it's a little surprising to see Wayland Baptist not at the top. Normally we see them top two or three. Right now they're six and three in conference, eleven and four tied with USAO in Oklahoma. And then we go on over into the women's side of the Sooner Athletic Conference. And again, John Brown, 12 and 3, 9 and 0. Langston women, they are tremendously good too. 13 and 2, 8 and 1. Then you got WBU. You, you don't keep them out of that top area very much. 12 and 3 on the season, 7 and 2 in conference. They're doing an outstanding job. And there's another conference this year. Yes, the GCAC, the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, now has a team from Texas in it. It's Wiley. They're sitting, the men are sitting about mid pack. They're 7 and 9 overall. Three and five in the conference, and the women are in fourth place at five and three in conference, ten and six overall. Uh, Riley, I don't know how much. I mean, I know I don't have a chance to really watch a lot of NAIA basketball. I don't know how much you get to follow too, but there are when we start talking about some of those Louisiana teams and stuff, there are some quality basketball teams at the top of NAIA. There really are, and and I know they don't always specifically relate to Texas in terms of, of the teams at the top in this case. But, yeah, in Louisiana, I mean, again, Langston, you mentioned that, just what they're doing on the men's side. It's, it's really outstanding to see just this region of the country, how good the basketball is at the NAIA level. I, I don't get a ton of opportunities to watch these games, but it's definitely cool to follow and keep up with with what these teams are accomplishing. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of talent here and certainly several of these Texas schools are playing in leagues. They're top three, four, five in terms of NAIA conferences. And, and that, you know, that makes it tough. That makes it tough to compete, but it's great to see a lot of these Texas schools, you know, fighting and competing in a lot of these games, staying right there towards the top to the middle in a lot of different cases. Look, if you're in the top four of a lot of these conferences, you're you're you've got a really good team, and you have a chance of making the national tournament. And at the end of the day, the whole key is getting in the dance, and then anything can happen. That's the whole key. Last week, speaking of anything can happen, it was. I don't. I, I'm not going to say it was unexpected, Riley. Not at all. It, you know, Angelo State. They had that brutal trip that that lsc teams take through west texas a&m lubbock christian they came out with two losses and against wt what what it kind of struck me the most was that angelo's tall they're tall they're big they're long and they didn't play like you know like wt owned the inside against them 
They were much better as a team, much better against Lubbock Christian, but they couldn't guard the three-point line against the Chaparral's. The Chaparral's were just hitting all over the place, big shot after big shot. Look, Rip Griffin's a hard place to play, right? The first bank center, it's a hard place to play. UTPB also lost both games. Am I concerned about Angelo is probably the question right now, and the, and the answer is I am not. I am not concerned about Angelo's state men, uh, but I do want to say good luck to Midwestern State and Cameron this weekend. It may, I, I imagine you're going to get an angry Rams team, and this is a very talented uh, team. And so they'll get a chance. They'll, they'll host them again. They'll, they'll host WT and LCU, and we'll see what happens uh, when they get them on their home floor. Uh, who knows? I mean, that list, that was just round one of what is going to be a fun time to watch there. Uh, and then on the, on the men's, on the UTPB men's side, let me touch on them real quick. Not necessarily surprised they lost both. I thought they, I thought they had, they remitted themselves well. I thought they uh, played well. I thought that uh, they showed they are a good basketball team this year. They are a much improved team. And that was something we wanted to see. And I think we saw it from them on the women's side, Angelo state went into WT uh, same story between UTPB and Angelo state with the West Texas A&M women first quarter WT gets off to a good start. And then the second, third and fourth quarters owned by Angelo state and UTPB uh, Angelo state did lose to Lubbock Christian pretty handily on Saturday not really concerned about that. You get LCU in the in the Rip Griffin Center, and they they have lost, I think, one time in the last five hundred years or something like that. They don't lose often there. Oh, uh, I may have exaggerated a little bit on that one, Riley. Oh, uh, you know, but did on the uh, also on the women's side with UTPB. Look, they took LCU to overtime Thursday. Then they went in there, fell down early to WT, had a gut check, and came back and played really well. Um, am I concerned about WT? Yes. Yes. I am concerned about the lady buffs. I don't think they have what it takes to make the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, there's just some issues with that team and I'm not sure they can get solved until the off season, uh, there with them, uh, Lubbock Christian UTPB Angelo state. It's going to be good. This is good. And this weekend, I, I you know, we're going to get into this, but I'm looking forward to seeing both Angelo State and UTPB come to Wichita Falls because it's, it's really going to be fun basketball and, and really kind of fun to see these teams finally in person for the first time. Riley, that brings us up to date on D2. I'm going to turn this over to you, my man. You saw some tremendous basketball last weekend. Tell us about that that weekend for both UMHB and and Harden Simmons. Yeah, I mean it was it was a big weekend in the ASC for both. And obviously we had the head-to-head matchups which in the ASC the the matchups every year on the men's and women's sides between Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor are just circled and, and they're circled for, for some reason, but more so this year. And to start on the men's side, I think we saw Harden Simmons men just so, so good um, out of the gate. Their, their resume looks so really good. They have a ton of nice wins. Uh, first thing we learned is, is they can score in bunches. They can win shootouts. And I, I think we had seen it in, in a little bit before, but I thought Mary Harden Baylor, you know, really, really pushed them well. 
um, in, a, in a way that I hadn't seen Harden Simmons push before. And, and what we saw as well was Harden Simmons keep up. Harden Simmons is up winning 103-92. And then you, you turn around, and again, Harden Simmons showed that they're beatable as well. Uh, Concordia goes in on Saturday and on the men's side, and Concordia hands them their first loss in league play to where we saw Concordia win 103-102 in overtime. So give me one second, Corey. <laughs> it's funny. You know, you're, you're doing great, Riley, here. I'll take over for just a second here. He's got a folder again in the, in the back, and that tells you. Riley's not, not joking. He's out there writing a book. He's in Wisconsin right now, and, you know, he's in somebody's office, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea where he is, but uh, <laughs> oh man, this is uh this is what you get when you get live podcasting, right? When you record a record a live podcast, you never know what's gonna happen, and that's why life is fun as well, Riley. It it really is. Sorry about that, Corey. But uh, no, you're I, good. Back. You were you were going. You were telling us about Mary Harden Baylor and Harden Simmons, man. And, yeah. And, 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 and when we look at things that we learned about teams, and you talked about this with, with some teams, Harden Simmons has been so good, but I think we also saw how good the ASC is as a whole. And Harden Simmons ends up dropping that game on Saturday, so they go one and one on the week. Still a, a great week for them, but I think the biggest thing for Harden Simmons is their defense may need to step up a little bit, right? We saw them, you know, get into these offensive shootouts. Now they can keep up, and and guy like Wilt Bartosik, who we talked about a few minutes ago, was a big part of that. Harden Simmons is still that team to beat in the ASC. They showed why, you know, they, they, again, they hit a hundred in both games and that's tough to do in this league. Now on the women's side though, you know, or go ahead. No, I was just going to say uh, on that for Harden Simmons, men, it's great that they can score a hundred, but eventually that defense is going to become key. And, and that's the, that's the big question for them. Is that defense going to be capable come tournament time? Yeah. And that's where, that's where I think we need to see, how they step up now with just and quickly on Mary Harden Baylor's side of things, they go in and end up with a one in one week. They escape with a win over Murray Peyton Brooks, the hometown kid from Abilene hits a three pointer in the final seconds for UMHB. Uh, it was a good performance for UMHB to bounce back against McMurray. And let me say this about McMurray. McMurray's a good team, and their record may not show it. McMurray has a lot of athleticism. They've been a tough matchup for UMHB for several years now, for whatever the reason. UMHB going into their place and getting that win was a big step. And and again, UMHB's defense, they took what they learned from Harden Simmons, which was a, a, a very poor defensive effort, and they turned it around against McMurray. They made stops when they needed them. They, they got the defensive rebounds. They come away with the win. Time will tell if UMHB has turned a corner or not, but I think they're mentally they're in a better spot than they were. And, uh, and, and again, this is the home stretch of the season. Things need to step up for, for UMHB. If they want to be in contention, the ASC, UMHB is right now tied for fourth. There's there's six teams that make the conference tournament, and there's three right now tied for fourth. Uh, so one of those teams will get left out. So that's definitely a, a storyline to keep an eye on. Again, nothing, UMHB is not safe. Uh, they need to continue to win and put together those results. Quickly on the women's side, though, UMHB goes in and beats Harden Simmons. And UMHB was a team that the biggest knock to them was that their strength of schedule maybe wasn't as high as some other teams. Well, they go on the road to the best team in the league, a great environment in Abilene on Thursday night. They go down by 15 points with a minute left in the third quarter. They come all the way back, take the lead late in the fourth. Harden Simmons, to their credit, knocks down a bunch of threes against the zone. They push you into overtime, 
And then all of a sudden we got a shootout in overtime that UMHB ends up winning 93-89. It was a very, very big week for the UMHB women. They end up 15th uh, in the D3hoops.com top 25. They're now, you know, on a 15-game win streak. Everything is clicking right now for them. They put up 108 points on a good McMurray team. And what was another shootout, 108-96. We saw a lot of shootouts in the ASC. UMHB showed they could keep up. They can score in bunches. And Harden-Simmons women, you know what? It was a tough loss, but it was a good result. They showed they can hit buckets. And they can hit them from outside. They have a lot of depth. Aiken Simonis comes off the bench, scores a, a bunch of points, five of eight from three-point range. So I think for, for UHB and Harden-Simmons, it was a positive week on the net, um, even if the records may not have shown it completely. Again, UHB women go 2-0. The men of, of UHB and Harden-Simmons both go 1-1, as do the Harden-Simmons women. Uh, so ASC is an interesting league right now uh, on both sides, but I think on the women's side especially, we're seeing UHB and Harden-Simmons really, really separating themselves. From my point of view, the team of those four that I'm worried about the most is Mary Harden Baylor's men. That that's the team I have the most questions about still. Uh, I have zero questions about Harden Simmons. That team is good, right? And then what what they did? Well, if you want to know how good a team is, you look at how they respond after a loss two days later, right? And what they did to Concordia, I don't it it was a whooping. Right. And that's what that's what good teams do. They they take that frustration out on that next team that maybe not as up to that level, but they're not gonna allow you to think you have a chance. And that's what they did. So I'm not worried at all about Harden Simmons women. Really impressed is my feeling about UMHB's women. Katie Novak first season there. Uh that is a very, very impressive win. Uh so congrats to them. And then, Riley, did you have a chance to catch St. Thomas and Trinity's game, the men's game on the Friday night? I did. I did. And what a game that was, right? I mean, you you just – you see high-level basketball, and, and this certainly fits in that category. You know, it's – it's we, we talked about it last week on the podcast, right? We said it was probably going to be a preview of the SCAC championship game. That's the way it turned out to be. And I tell you what, we've seen so many one-point games in the SCAC tournament over the years – this is another one of those, right? Uh, it's, you know, 66-65 St. Thomas wins, and they do it on the road. That was what was most impressive to me because Trinity was so good, and they still are. They're, they're an incredible team. Trinity is so good. And, and St. Thomas goes into their place and wins. And, and that was really something that, you know, I think you, you look up and down what Trinity's schedule has been this year. And, and they beat Harden-Simmons. They beat Mary Harden-Baylor. They beat Pomona Pitzer. They beat Whitman, and they beat them handily. They beat them far and away in several different categories. And, and so I think that made Trinity a very strong top-10 team. St. Thomas goes in there, though. As an unranked team, it wins. And uh, a lot of credit to St. Thomas, who, you know, is really on a roll. They're, they, they've lost to Laterno and New Dallas this year, and some some surprising losses, I would say, uh, you know, from my point of view. Laterno and, and U Dallas are certainly quality teams, but um, St. Thomas is, is playing on a different level now. They're they're 15 and two, seven and one in the league. We're gonna see these two teams battle again, probably twice, right? I think this again is gonna be the SCAC championship game. These teams have separated themselves in the SCAC. Uh, they're they're led by guys who are upperclassmen 
who have been in these situations before. I think there's a, a bit of a rivalry there at this point because of the battles they've had over the years. And you know when Trinity gets the chance to go to Houston, it's going to be a must-see matchup uh, because those teams, they both they both are playing now. They're both ranked in the top 25, and, and rightfully so. They've put together the wins. And what's interesting, Corey, is there's a chance that this is a one-bid league in the SCAC. But I think with the resumes that St. Thomas and Trinity have and continue to have, and St. Thomas winning at Trinity, it all of a sudden puts a position, especially with the ASC maybe being a little bit down, for both these teams to get into the NCAA tournament. So so really, um, really interested to see how things move forwards. I don't think St. Thomas is a better team yet uh, than Trinity, but again, they have the head-to-head win, so you start to get into that conversation there. Well, is... Is the SCAC a two-bid team if only if St. Thomas wins the conference tournament? That would be my question to you. So is is it a one-bid bid league if Trinity wins the conference tournament and only becomes a two-bid league if Trinity doesn't win just because Trinity's going to get in? Right, and that's going to be the, the, the conversation, the question, right, because I think – and time is gonna time is gonna tell. But with that said, I you know I think there's some things that need to happen. I don't think St. Thomas is gonna be incredibly high in the regional rankings, which makes it tougher for St. Thomas to get in via pool C bid. But if St. Thomas can jump ahead of say the number two team in the ASC, and if the Skyac team, which we're we're assuming is Pomona Pitzer, but we got Cal Lutheran and Claremont Mudscripts both in there as well. Um, and, and really, Cal Lutheran's probably that projected automatic qualifier, right? We get into automatic qualifiers, which we don't have in, in the other divisions. Um, I think St. Thomas is going to need to continue to win, maybe beat Trinity again uh, to get a high enough spot in the regional rankings where they don't have to win the SCAC tournament um, to get in. But again, we're, we've got several games left to try to determine how those things are going to play out. A lot's going to happen between now and and, and say next month at this time when we're getting ready for the final regional rankings to be released in the SCAC tournament to tip off. And I know <laughs> we're covering football. Playoffs, would you start talking about playoffs and how teams get into the playoffs? There's a million different ways, and it's extremely confusing. Thankfully, in basketball, it's not. You get automatic bids <laughs> from most of your conferences, right? And then you... <laughs> And you have a tournament, right? So at least we all have that from all all the different ones. I know NAIA does automatic bids for their right. conference champions as well. Uh, I'm sure JUCO is the same. So uh, that is that's the good part about that right there. What a <laughs> what a week it was too, Riley. It was a, a tremendous week. We want to let you know that we are a podcast on the Zone Star State Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. Please like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you can find it on, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, whatever it is. Please go and not only subscribe, but like it, share, and follow us. And the more you share is how we're going to grow, and we appreciate you. I I want to say real quickly to the people who – listened uh to the first episode to the people who returned to hear more of what i had to say for first thank you because i you know i i don't know why you would obviously number one number two 
I I want to say the reaction was really good, and it, it's great to get some of that feedback uh, from the fans. And uh, you know, Ron Borger, he's a he's awesome. I, I got a chance to meet him uh, at Trinity during the playoff game. Tremendous guy, uh, loves Division Three athletics, loves Trinity. He does a fantastic job. So uh, we appreciate everyone. Uh, who is listening. And if you're listening and interested to see what are the top games this weekend that we're watching, Riley, I'll start with the uh, division two men. We've got Lubbock Christian at Eastern New Mexico. They're playing at eight o'clock Thursday night. Eastern New Mexico has a player that is a part of the Bevo Francis top 100. And that is a very good Greyhounds team and a really even better team when they're at home. There's a tough place to play. It's it's not as tough a road trip for LCU and WT because it's not as far. But one of the, I think WT is heading first out to Western New Mexico and Silver City, and then they come back. That makes it a little more challenging, I think, than it does for LCU that's headed to Eastern. But the challenge is still there for the Chaparrales because that right. is an Eastern New Mexico team that is very, very solid and um, very impressive. And so I'm really going to be watching LCU WT take on those two teams. LCU 8 o'clock Thursday in Portales. WT gets 4 o'clock Saturday in Portales right around there. It'll be 30 minutes after the women finish, we should say. Uh, Riley on the division three men's side, who you watching? Yeah, there's going to be a big, big matchup in Abilene. I, I just, you know, ETBU plays at Harden Simmons. And this was a game that when they played in Marshall back in December, it took Harden Simmons a huge second half comeback to win that. Um, ETBU is in control for a good portion of the game all through the first half. And Harden Simmons comes back out. Will Bartosik. Uh, who we mentioned again on this podcast, uh, was was the star of that game, scoring a ton of second-half points and really helping Harden-Simmons in the lead. Now, I'll say this. I talked about Merritt Harden-Baylor being tied with three other teams for fourth in the conference. ETBU is one of those teams, uh, you know, on, on the men's side. They're, they're four and four in the league, and they, they've certainly underperformed. They were the preseason ASC favorite. They haven't gotten to that level. They're the lowest-scoring offense right now in the conference, they're towards the bottom and rebounding. There's a lot of things that haven't gone their way. But what I will say is that they have guys who do have the athleticism to compete. I've seen them in person. They are talented. And, and, and what, for whatever the reason, they just haven't been able to put together at this point. But what we know in the ASC is that we never really know what to expect. And a game like this where ETBU is on the road. They're the underdog at this point. Harden-Simmons is first in the league, but Harden-Simmons has also shown that they're beatable. And we're in a spot where ETBU really, really needs a win. They need a good weekend. They need to find themselves in a spot where if they want to make this ASC tournament, just like Mary Harden-Baylor, you know, and Concordia at the same time, like they need to be able to gain separation somehow. And this is an opportunity to do that. Harden-Simmons obviously wants to bounce back. And that's why this is a big, big game of the week. Uh, for me, I think people need to be paying attention to that. Who's who's the game bigger for? Is it bigger for ETBU because they need that win so bad? Or is it bigger for Harden-Simmons right now? Because yeah. last week they didn't. Yes, they bounced back on uh, Saturday. 
But last week, you know, it was hit and miss. Like, so I, I'm questioning which one it may be bigger for because Harden Simmons cannot take another loss right now. Two in a row would not look good at, at this point of the season. It certainly wouldn't now, you know, and that's the other thing too. They could end up in a tie for first place with UT Dallas. Uh, I mean, who knows, right? Because again, Laterno comes in right after that on Saturday. And Laterno is another team we talked about him last week as a team that maybe has exceeded our preseason expectations. They certainly have, have put a lot of things together to get to this point where they're right there in contention uh, for the league title. So this is a big week for Harden Simmons. I think you're, you're certainly around that, Corey. I will say for ETBU, I think this is an opportunity for them to go into a place and, and get a win. And again, Maraher Baylor doesn't have a win at Harden Simmons right now. Now they'll play later on in the year. ETBU's already lost once to Harden Simmons. So for ETBU, this is a big game strategically um, in terms of you know some of the tiebreakers and things like that that we very well might see to decide some of these final spots in the conference tournament. It's these weekends for Harden Simmons that end up determining coach of the year in the conference. If they come out of this and they win both these games this weekend, it's a good chance they're going to be number one seed, ship headed in the right direction, coach getting accolades and that stuff. If they don't, well, it's game on because you've got teams behind and they're not far behind you. There's not a ton of separation yet uh, here. So it doesn't take, it doesn't take much slippage in the, in the ASC and the LSC to slip a long ways. Uh, that's, that's really what that comes down to. On the women's side, Riley, we've got a really, really good game that I don't know if anyone is really paying attention to Thursday night. Texas A&M International at UT Tyler, 5 o'clock. That is going to be a tremendous game. International is playing good basketball. They're on the road, and and that's a UT Tyler team that went to the Elite Eight last year surprised as I believe they were the five or six seed to head in to, to then go win the regional, the South central region. And, and they're good and they're playing really good again this year. And here comes international. It's a big time road trip. It's also a long road trip from Laredo uh, to get up there to UT Tyler. So that's a game I'm watching Thursday, Saturday, UTPB MSU, Ray Booth and what she's done with the the Falcons there, they're they're tremendous. They're really good. Excited to see them in person against MSU. Who, man, Bernita Jackson. They're coming off a bad loss. They had a bad loss last Saturday, but those that trip. I, I have a hard time explaining to people how hard that trip is on student athletes. Right? How yeah. hard that? It's yeah. a hard trip to go to Silver City and then drive all the way back and stop and play a game on Saturday. You know, that it's not an easy trip. It is a very, very hard trip on you, on your body more than anything else. And so MSU took a loss to Eastern on Saturday. I think they'll bounce back. They've got Angelo on Thursday. So confidence will be a key for the Mustangs as they head into Saturday's game against UTPB. And there is a game on the women's side. The SCAC, last week, they produced the best game right of all the ones we wanted to watch i think they could do it again this time 
Yeah, I would agree, Corey. We got a matchup between Texas Lutheran and Trinity. Uh, this is an interesting one for a number of different reasons, but probably more so because of the point that we are in the season. Uh, we got a, a kind of, you know, it's it's a two-way tie atop the Skag Stings, but really if we want to tie in Texas Lutheran, they're 6-1 in the league. Colorado College, Trinity both leading at 7-1. Now here's the deal. So Texas Lutheran, felt like they let one slip away back in early December when they played Trinity. They played them at home, and, and Texas Lutheran was leading by 12 entering the fourth quarter. Trinity ends up outscoring them. or They were leading by 14, I should say. Um, Trinity ends up outscoring them 26-12. Trinity wins in overtime, and it was a tough, tough loss for TLU league standings-wise. Now, TLU has won everything else. They're off to their best start in the program's NCAA history. They've got the momentum heading into this week. So now it's just a matter of going to San Antonio and seeing what they can do against a Trinity team that, you know, I think Trinity is very, very talented. They've also had Natalie Anderson, who's arguably their best player out um, for, for quite a while now. And, and without her, she was, a she made the go, the bucket that tied it descending into overtime when they played in Seguin. So without her, what's that effect? Uh, assuming that she doesn't play, right? We don't know that yet, but if she doesn't play, how does that factor into things? And so I think this is an opportunity for Texas Lutheran to really go, you know, put themselves in a spot where they could be tied with Colorado College atop the league standings. Um, that's a big deal for Texas Lutheran. It's also a big matchup for Trinity, who is, is again, seeking to continue that string of dominance and, and continue to win SCAC title after SCAC title. So uh, this is a big one on the women's side, and I'm certainly looking forward to tuning into this one. Um, I think a, a lot of a lot of implications within that league from this matchup on Saturday. Can the SCAC be a two-bid league on the women's side? I don't think that – I think that's that's too far of a stretch, Corey. I think uh, on the men's side, we have that opportunity. I don't know on the women's side. Again, this is the unfortunate part, and, and you've written about this in the past. You and I have both talked about it. We could do a whole podcast on this. Region 10 is in a tough spot. Getting those regionally ranked games, getting the re- games that are going to build your strength and schedule are tough. There's even a spot where, where Harden-Simmons may have it tough to get into the NCAA tournament via Pool C bid, which is crazy to think about, but – it's it's the reality, unfortunately, of Region 10. So I think, unfortunately, we have three really good teams, only one bid uh, that's going to come out of the SCAC, which, again, raises the the implications of all of these games, even in the regular season. But, I mean, let's let's tell the truth, what it is. If you if Trinity was 16-1 and one and not 12-5, and five, we'd be saying they have a bid in the in the league, right? Like in the NCAA tournament. If if these teams had one, two losses, not three, four, five losses, like what they actually show overall, I, I think I think that would that matters a whole lot, right? Like that your non-conference is extremely important uh to how that goes. And then any slip-ups in conference are always really, really challenging. Riley, sir, thank you so much. I appreciate you jumping on and getting this recorded. Uh, and, and man, try to stay warm up there. I know I haven't <laughs> stepped out of my house on purpose. I have no desire to step out of my house till it gets above freezing again. And it hadn't done that yet. Uh, but you, sir, are up there traveling in some uh, very cold and snowy weather. So you be safe and uh, enjoy your time up there. I sure will, Corey. Always great to come on this podcast. Yeah, with the wind chill, it feels like about negative 25 here. So uh, pretty pretty cold, 
different than Texas, but uh, wait, we're getting cold in both places, which is, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's January. It's time for college basketball. And it's time for, for the winter weather. That ain't cold, man. That's not cold. That's horseshit. That's what that is, man. That's, let me tell you something. Cold is like 40, right? 35, 40 is cold. Negative 25 winch. No, no, that mm-mm. that's a whole nother category. Uh, no, no, no. I am not a fan of cold weather at all. It can go away very quickly. That's all for today. That's how we're going to end it, Riley. For Riley this, I'm Corey Hope. Thank you so much for listening. We we hope you come back again next week uh, and listen to the podcast. Until then, though, stay safe and stay warm. <laughs>